You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MJ Sportscast. My name is Mike Tang, joined by my co-host, producer and friend, Jerry Yang. How you doing, man? Good, good. You know, another exciting week of sports and football, baseball. And we actually have NBA around the corner, so that's quite exciting, man. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, the, the pennant race is uh, is coming along, you know, fairly quickly here. September is quickly winding down. And, you know, we just finished week two of the NFL season. And it's been pretty exciting, to say the least here. You know, the, the Niners are doing well. They're 2-0. Uh, the Raiders are 2-0. They may have an MVP candidate um, on their roster um, here. But I think I want to talk about um, the 49ers game against the Eagles um, here. Yeah. Uh, it looked like they were going to be down 10-0 to zero, um, in that first half. <laughs> um, you know, they, they had a touchdown overturn um, for the Eagles mm-hmm. there. Um, I think the guy, he ran out of bounds, right, on that play? Yeah. Oh, no, he got chased down by um, by Joukowsky Tart. So Joukowsky mm-hmm. Tart actually ran him down and was able to stop him at, I think, the three or the four-yard line. And then they had like two plays after that, but then Josh Norman had a PI, and they had a fresh set of downs, first and goal, and the defense held in there. They went for a fourth, the Eagles, and came up with zero points. I think that was a key to the game, right? And the defense actually stepped it up a lot. I think having Kinlaw back made a big difference. I think Josh Moore, uh, Norman um, was a lot better than I thought, even though he had the two PIs. The first PI was kind of BS. I think that was like a very tic-tac call. And maybe because he's had so much time off, he's not able to kind of sell some of those, like, you know, um, grabbing penalties and things like that. The second one was legit. That was a big mistake on his part because he did grab a, a jersey, right, right before the defender came off his breakaway. Um but I thought he did pretty well, and D four continues to be like a monster within. And I think one guy that not a lot of people are talking about is our Ar- Harden Keys from the Raiders. We picked him up from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing awesome. This is like probably the best he's played in his whole career. He seems really motivated now, and he made a lot of big plays out there. And I think that gave the Niners, you know, a lot of um, a lot of uh, chances to win. Right, and that kept them in the game the whole time. Like you said, could easily have gone 10 10 nothing at the half. But then, you know, Jimmy G looked really crappy in the first half. But then I think he sharpened up near the end. Near the end, he he was making really tight throws and threading the needle on a lot of them and getting, uh, you know, our boy Jawan Jennings his first touchdown. You know, so yeah. What did you think of the game? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the the highlights here. Yeah, uh, you yeah. mentioned uh, the defense um, was pretty spectacular, I would say, um, throughout that yeah. game. Um, special teams um, played very well. I thought our yeah. punter he kicked that he kicked mm-hmm. uh, several balls, you know, um, under the ten yard line um, here to kind of give us a little bit better uh, field position. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just thought that uh, yeah, that first touchdown by Juwan Jennings um, there that kind of set the tone, right? Instead of being right. down. In that half, we were actually up in, up in the first half. So I thought our defense kind of carried us throughout that game. Um, were, were those highlights pretty similar to yours, or did you have anyone else? Yeah, and then of... I think Robbie Gold uh, hitting that 46-yarder was key, yeah. right? That was yeah. pretty clutch. I think that, that swung some momentum too. But, yeah, I think it was mainly that one stop that I described. That really shifted the momentum after that. And I think it kind of woke up the offense indirectly. Um, so I think, yeah, the defense was great. Special teams, like you said, Mitch Wyskowski <laughs> did really good, right? So I think that that really helped a lot. Um, and giving the defense more time, you know, like they don't feel pressured to get a stop right away. They can afford a couple yards and then, you know, 
and get the stop. So um, we have Andrew Peterson says, what's up, gents? Go Niners. Can't wait for some shredded cheese this Sunday. Yes. <laughs> so when Looking he says shredded cheese, he's referring to um, the Green Bay Packers there because the cheese you know, Wisconsin heads, yeah. is, named, is known for the cheese heads. So that's going to be an interesting <laughs> matchup there. Uh, we will definitely um, talk we'll about that, that in a few yeah. moments. Um, but yeah, I think those those highlights uh, were pretty pretty good, Jerry. Um, yeah, let's talk about what, the lowlights though, right? I think there were yeah. some things that they didn't do well, right? So I think one of the things I thought has been a consistent theme in the last two games is the hurry up offense. The defense is unable to stop it, right? The last few drives, um, that's where the Eagles scored. That's where you know last week the Lions were able to catch up. So I'm not sure if it's just the pace of um, the defense versus the offense yeah. or they're just not able to cover the corners or the outside, right? I think the broadcaster did talk about, hey, you have to keep them in the middle and let the clock run out. But there's so many plays where they're able to get out of bounds and you know, a touchdown was scored. So I think that's one thing to look out for, and that could really bite us, right, <laughs> if we can't stop someone from – coming back at the end i just think about like Pat patrick mahomes in the super bowl or tom brady they're known for those hurry up offenses and gaining scores so we can't stop it that's that's a huge loss right and i think the run uh qb run like a mobile qb defense is a consistent theme as well i think they he um jalen hurts had like 71 rushing yards the only person that had more was last season i believe it was mahomes last season that had 91 so it goes to show that we still can't stop a mobile quarterback, right? Like, I think there was a lot of talk about Trey Sherman or Trey Lance helping us in practice and be able to simulate that defense. But in the end, it's still, still, still bit us, right? So I think that was bad. I think, like I mentioned, Jimmy G's start to the game was kind of bad. And then the injuries to running back, I think that's the key thing that was like a big damper to the day, right? And I think those hits on by the Eagles near the end of the game were dirty, right? I think the one on Hasty was definitely dirty. Hasty didn't have the ball. He was out of bounds, and the guy came and shoved him, right? I think he already had a high ankle sprain at that point. I saw him limping right before he got hit. So that kind of bailed out the Niners a little bit to get another drive, a first down basically on that one. Mm -hmm. And then the hit on Trey Sherman, that was completely dirty. There was one defender that used his elbows and knocked – Sherman down, and then Nardu lowered his helmet and hit him from the other end, right? It was kind of like a welcome to the NFL hazing moment, almost is what it felt like. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's just a little bit frustrating because I don't think um I don't think the Eagles needed to do that. You know, they were still winning, so why or not they were within range to come back rather, right? They were losing, but they were within range to come back at that point. And they're just hurting themselves and putting a damper to the game, you know. So, anyways, those were kind of my lowlights. I think it was just some things to look out for. Right? Yeah, so just we'll a couple things to mention um, off what you mentioned, what off what you said, Jerry. Mm -hmm. um, you say the defense against the hurry up offense was lacking there, and I think um, I think a lot of defenses out there in the NFL they struggle against that hurry up offense, especially when you're tired, especially after you've been playing three and a half quarters already there. I think a lot of defenses would struggle against a guy like Jalen Hurts, against a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think like maybe this was made a mirage, you know, and I'm just kind of curious to see what kind of adjustments D'Amico Ryans would make in a similar situation this season, right? Um, throughout the first two games, he's been, you know, putting a lot of pressure, right? He's been blitzing a lot more than previous Niners teams. So I'm going to be very uh, anxious to see what he does there in the fourth quarter. Um, you also mentioned, um, let's see. So one thing I want to say about that, though, is like um, I know a lot of teams struggle with the hurry up, but if yeah. you have good corners and a good secondary, you would struggle less, right? I think this was this um, lack of depth in the cornerback position is where it's getting exposed, I think, from this hurry up. You know, yeah. it's just amplifying it. Uh, I, I get your point, though, that it is a hard defense to or hard, hard offense to defend against. But if you have better corners, it's not as as tough, I guess. Sure. And you also mentioned that the Niners struggle against running quarterbacks here. And I'm going to slightly disagree with you on that notion. Mm -hmm. I think they've done actually a really, really um, good job and have improved 
in the past season mm. um, here in terms of containing running quarterbacks. I don't think an opposing quarterback has ran for more than 95 yards in the past season and in the first two weeks here. And the last guy to run over 90 yards against the 49ers was Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray, yeah. I think that I think they've done a pretty good job at analyzing the tape and finding ways to contain these running quarterbacks here. Of course, you're not going to stop them all the time. And Jalen Hurts is, you know, an emerging um, young guy who, you know, his his strengths is, you know, off the run. Right. So mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Hurts' fourth quarter was okay. He didn't, it wasn't that he played spectacular, right? He got mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. chunk of yards in the last um, three or four minutes in that fourth quarter um, there. And that's how they got their points. Um, you also mentioned Jimmy G off to a slow start and he imp- and how he improved um, there. And I would have to say that Jimmy G has been very, very, he's been very poor um, this past season. You can also, you can also argue that he's been very poor in this last five to six games um, here. Uh, Shio uh, Kapadia from The Athletic here, um, he noted on Twitter, he finished reviewing the Eagles and 49ers tape, and he says Jimmy Garoppolo's average pass travel past the line of scrimmage was 3.6 yards, right? 3.6 yards past the line of scrimmage, lowest of any week two starter in the NFL, right? And he's also he also has missed a lot of throws that have been usually routine for NFL quarterbacks too, and that's ranked twenty fifth out of thirty one, right? Yeah, so, I think and the ability to spread the ball around is I think becoming an issue too, right? Yeah, I think Debo is kind of his go to guy. Um, previously, I think George Kittle was, but George Kittle only had four four looks. You know, and Ayuk didn't get as many looks as well. I think Ayuk had one amazing reception, but he was only targeted twice. Yeah. Um, and Sanu was only targeted once. And you have all these guys that you can target, like even Sherfield, right? Like the guy that's emerging as one of our better receivers, he only had three looks and one reception. And so, you know, I don't know if he's just going to his comfort zone by hitting um, Debo eight times, right, or Hasty five times. Um, you know, he's targeting those guys a lot more, which is a little surprising, I guess. It, so I think it goes to your point, right? I think this is the reason why I think the Niners drafted Trey Lance because yeah. obviously I think they're looking at the same stats you are and that Jimmy G is probably not the future for the Niners. And I think it's exciting for us as fans that Kyle Shanahan and Lynch agrees with us, it sounds like, right? But by drafting Lance, they agree with us, and they're trying to groom a guy to come in. And he's just not ready to come in right away, which is okay, right? Because that usually means you can mold a guy to the way they want the guy to be. You know, so it's a perfect so situation. Yeah. It's the perfect yeah. situation for both the franchise. I would say the best, the, the best situation for for all the yeah. rookie quarterbacks because you could be on the other best. end of the stick and be like Zach Wilson um, out of the New York Jets and get sacked um, for or through what four interceptions or he got sacked four interceptions. Yeah, he had four interceptions, and I think even Justin Fields was struggling a lot from yeah. starting right because I think. Uh, Andy Dalton got hurt pretty early in that game and he had to play the rest and he struggled, right? And there goes to show why they decided to go with Andy Dalton in the beginning of the season. You know, yeah. even though a guy looks good in preseason, doesn't mean it's, it's going to translate. So, and I, and I also agree with Shanahan not playing Trey Lance um, in this previous game against the Eagles here. Um, you want to put your young quarterback in the ideal situation. You don't want him to get roughed up early in his career. Here. So that was a good, I thought that was a really good decision there to just kind of stay committed to the run yeah. and, and just um, try to control, you know, tr- try to control the ball and also control that time of possession. I thought that was really key in the 49ers pulling away from this victory because we've seen hostile environments like this where it could get carried away really quick. Right. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the Eagles were, were coming out to play. It looked like they were going to go up three touchdowns <laughs> early in this game. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I thought the 49ers did a really good coaching job. In all. Yeah. And, and I think um, a lot of people are talking about why they didn't go with RPO with Lance and goal line, you know, rushes and things like that. Yeah. I just didn't think they need to in this game, you know, yeah. like I just don't think they need to. I yeah. think maybe it will catch the Packers by surprise if they do do it, you know, <laughs> but there's no, no reason to force it. You know, to your point, I think they they were doing a good job winning the way they've always wanted. 
you know, as long as Jimmy G is healthy, I feel like, you know, let's not press the <laughs> press Lance's experience. You know, let, let's not let's not rush him into it, right? So. Yeah. So, beginning of this season, running back was a true strength uh, for the 49ers here, and after week two, we have several guys in the depth chart in the injury list here. Um, as we have mentioned before, Raheem Mostert is out for the season. Um, second guy up, Elijah Mitchell, um, hurt his shoulder here. It looks like he's day-to-day. We'll see if he's going to miss any time, but he's expected to play. Trey Sermon's in the concussion protocol. That injury looked pretty bad on the field. I don't think he's going to be on the – I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And then Hasty has a high ankle sprain um, here. And it looks like he won't be playing for a while too. What do you What are your thoughts about the 49ers signing um, Jacquez Patrick um, here? He was on the he was on the Cincinnati Bengals um, practice squad, and uh, he played pretty well in preseason. He averaged over five yards per carry here. He showed uh, some sort of speed on the outside. Did you like the Did you like the pickup? I think any running back in the Shanahan zone blocking system will do well as long as you have speed. Right, I think yeah. it's speed and explosiveness. I mean, think of like Moster. He came out of nowhere, right? <laughs> he was a journeyman previously, and now he was one of the best guys on this team because of that scheme. So I think a guy like Jax Patrick, and I know you sent me a Twitter Twitter uh, video of it, so maybe you can tweet that out for the fans. But um, yeah. he looked really good. He played in the XFL. I thought it was an interesting pickup considering they were looking at Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson and TJ Yeldon. Those were three guys that are more known names, right? I think if you ask you know, any fantasy player at one point, they probably picked up one of those guys, but none of them picked up Jocks Patrick's, right? So so I'll be excited to see how he does. And I think, yeah, I think you I agree with you on Trey Sherman. He that, that hit looked really bad. So I'm guessing he'll miss at least a week. But thankfully I think he'll be back the week after. Um I think Elijah Mitchell will play, even though he's day to day. I think it was just a kind of a shock. I talking to Beast Rider on the Beast Rider podcast, yeah. he says that's a pretty common injury and that people people walk walk back from it. And we'll have to monitor in practice, but I'm guessing he's good to go. And yeah, Hasty will be out for a while. The good thing is Jeff Wilson's coming back in week six. So mm. at least we'll get someone back um, you know, a couple weeks. So yeah. I know a lot of people are stashing him in fantasy football already. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think cool. he'll be a hands-down favorite to be a starting running back when he comes back, right? Like over any of those guys, I think you'd rather have Jeff Wilson as your lead back. So so yeah, so hopefully, you know, I, I know it kind of sucks that all these running backs got hurt, but this was our deepest position. And the reason why it was deep is I think Kyle Shanahan and Lynch realized this is a position that could that has the most injury prone, you know. And I think we should count our lucky stars that this this position was the only one that was impacted in week two. And think about last season, wouldn't you give to only have the running back position be the only ones hurt? Yeah. Right. And what's interesting is they released um D Virgin, um, who is a cornerback. Uh, which tells me I think Emmanuel Mosley is probably going to be back soon too. So they're they're I, I'm thinking he'll be active this Sunday. So uh, they probably have to release someone else. I think because you know based on the active roster, you can only hold so many people. So, but I think Mosley will be back. Is my you know my I guess like uh, projection here. But we'll see. Yeah, one running back that fans are kind of asking about is Le'Veon Bell. Right. And mm. he's on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. And it looks like mm-hmm. any team can kind of sign, sign, you know, pick him up and sign him yep. um, here. Do you think he just doesn't really fit the the zone blocking scheme that Shanahan has employed? I think he will fit if he comes here, but I don't think he has a speed anymore. Right. I think he, yeah. he's not as explosive as he once were, was before. And I think it might be a little bit of a locker room cancer yeah. is kind of a strong word, but I don't think he gels well with many people. Well, let's just leave it that way. I don't think he's a cancer, but I think he's not as approachable or he's a little bit more abrasive. So I think that's also holding him behind. And remember, we have on Johnson in our practice squad as well, right? Mm. So if we want to promote him, I think he's equivalent in some ways to Le'Veon Bell because after the injuries, Le'Veon Bell wasn't the same, you know? So you saw how he played for the Jets. He wasn't that great. He should have been like the hands-down starter at KC, you know? 
Um, but he was what fourth in the depth chart, so it was, yeah. you know, and they let him go. So yeah, I don't think it's a good fit here. I just think um, I think the Niners are doing the right thing by signing a younger guy like Jock Patrick, who who showed some you know bursts and some speed in the preseason. That's what the Niners look for. So yeah, I thought it was a very uh, very good pickup by the Niners um, here. So. Hopefully he, you know, suits up and kind of shows the Niners and the fans, you know, what he has to offer. Yep. Always love the XFL guys, you know. <laughs> so Yeah. So I'm rooting for him. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the Packers uh, versus the 49ers matchup um, here. You know, the Packers have kind of struggled beginning of the season, mm-hmm. especially throughout the first game and a half. Um, mm-hmm. They, they struggled mm-hmm. to kind of score. They struggled to stop opponents here. And, they kind of needed that second half of that Monday night football game to pull away from the Detroit Lions. Um, do you think the Packers will be, um, you know, a, a matchup for the 49ers or something that the 49ers should worry about here? Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked um, very good in the, in the beginning of this season. Some are saying that, you know, he has too much stock in other endeavors outside of football um what do, what's your what's your general take of this matchup do you think the 49ers will come out of this victorious i think the niners will win but i feel like it's not gonna be easy yeah. you know like aaron Rodgers still have four touchdowns in that game and aaron jones look unstoppable and they also run a zone blocking um offense too Right. So it's worked for us. It's going to work for them. So they're going to be ready for it on a defensive end. They're not going to change up their defense as much because they're practicing that all the time. Right. So, so I think it'll be a affordable matchup. I think one thing to look out for is Devontae Adams is, has always been a problem for us. Um, so we have to, you know, see who can cover him. So I think Emmanuel Mosley comes back, that'll be huge. Right. I think. He can cover him a little bit, but he's still undersized compared to Devontae Adams, you know. I think yeah. this is where we miss Jason Verrett. I think Jason Verrett actually matches up really well with De- Devontae Adams in terms of speed and height and just keeping up with him. Um, that's where we miss Verrett, right? I think that's a really unfortunate part. And I don't think Josh Norman could keep up with him. I mean, that was obvious in the last game that Josh Norman doesn't have the speed anymore. You know, he was getting kind of burned out there. Yeah. Um, he has good coverage, good, but he can't do the press coverage anymore, you know. So, so yeah, I think he's gonna have a beast of a game, but I think our team will too. You know, I think Kittle's gonna have a beast of a game. I'm thinking Ayuk will. I hope Ayuk will step it up, you know, and use him a lot more. And looking for Trent Sherfield to actually burn them a little bit. I think their offense or their defense's weakness is actually the secondary. It's always mm-hmm. been the secondary, right? Mm-hmm. So I think. This game is going to be more dependent on passing. And I think that's bold's well for the Niners in some ways where we don't have strength in running back right now, right? Our depth is, that's going to be our weak point, unfortunately, <laughs> which is our previous strength. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll look to the Niners to throw a lot more in this game um, and try to get um, yards that way. And then I expect the defense to still step it up. And Nick Bosa, I think we didn't talk about Nick Bosa earlier. He had a monster of a game, right? And if he continues to have a monster of a game and, and say with D Ford out there, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do pretty well here, you know? So, so yeah, I think the Niners will be fine. Just, just watch out for those, uh, you know, <laughs> those key stars there, but yeah, you know, we should be fine. I yeah. I agree with you. Um, it's too easy to underestimate Aaron Rodgers too right mm-hmm. and i think like he's more than capable of putting up three to four touchdown games and the only way that you can kind of beat him is by controlling him right and not having mm-hmm. him be too comfortable in the pocket and throwing to adams all day so i i'm i'm hoping that the 49ers will find some way to shadow adams and have like mm-hmm. a double team um over on that's that side of the field do. yeah yeah and just have the other guys kind of beat you um here yeah. so That'd be uh, good. I, th- I mean, if the stat sheet shows Tanya and Cobb as the lean two receivers, we've done our job. You know? Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Um, let's move on to Major League Baseball um, here. Let's do it. So the Giants have been playing fairly well. They took two out of three against the Atlanta Braves over the weekend um, here. Um, they beat the Padres uh, this past Tuesday night by some uh, late night heroics from uh, Lamonte. <laughs> Um, Wade Jr. Here he came. He came away with the ninth inning um, hit to put the Giants ahead six to five against our friend Mark Melanson. Um, 
did you did you watch the end of this game um here i know i know i know these games are a little (laughs) bit later than usual because um i know major league baseball has been trying to employ the 6 40 p.m start and now it's um, now these San Diego games. It seems like it's a little bit later, around seven ten. So I think these games are going a bit later. So sometimes people don't really get to watch. Um, yeah, the, these I catch the highlights. highlights. <laughs> um, but, I do kids. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but yeah, the Giants. Uh, it looks like they came back to win. The last time I checked last night, they were down uh, five to three or five to four in the fifth inning, and uh, you just can never. Um, you can never count against the Giants in terms of them coming back um, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you? How do you see this uh, race going? Do you think it's going to be um, a tight race with the Dodgers? Do you think we have a chance to win the division? It looks like we're one game up against the Dodgers here with about 11 or 12 to play. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty good edge, but it's still only one game, right? So it's still close. How do you? How guess- do you? How do you like? How do you like the Giants moving forward? So two more weeks of baseball. And I think uh, one thing to note is even though we're one game ahead, we also have the tiebreaker. So in some ways, we have two games ahead, if you think about it that way, right? So we still have the tiebreaker. Um, and yeah, Lamont Wade, I call him Lamont Clutch. And I think Jeannie Liu commented saying late night Lamont. So <laughs> I think he's been the star of our team in terms of clutch situations, right? I think he's been doing well. Um, but yeah, I like our chances. I think, um, like you said in the last show, our schedule is tougher though, right? Yeah. So um, that's the unfortunate part. But the good news is well, at least we clinch the playoffs. So either way, we'll be in the dance. And I think we can win the one game playoff game, right? <laughs> um, so so we'll see. Um, I think uh, Jake McGee being out on 10-day DL really hurts us a little bit. Um, there's six more games or six more days before he's supposed to come back. So hopefully... You know, that helps. I know Tyler Rogers has been kind of sitting in, and there's a few lucky breaks, um, like the double play that kind of ended the game last night um, helped us. But I don't think we can always count on lucky breaks, you know what I mean? So um, so we'll see how it goes, but it's it's a little bit tough. Um, I would say it's still pretty tough. So Yeah, it's going to be challenging here. You know, we mentioned this in previous shows. Tyler Rogers is not really a bona fide uh, tier one closer, to say the <laughs> least. Here, um, yeah, you know he does, he pitch, he pitches well because he he knows the, his strike zone. He pitches within the zone there, and he makes mm. the hitter um, use ground ball contact to get outs. But the thing is, is that when his when he's when when the count is like two to one, two zero, and the hitter has count leverage, it's very difficult mm. to get an eighty four mile per hour fastball over the plate against them. Hence why you yep. see all these base runners, you know, in the ninth inning. And that's and that's just his deal. So that's something that we would have to tolerate if Rogers is going to be our closer for the rest of this season. So Yeah, I saw McKee comes back and we can, you know, have him at least for the playoffs, you know. I think he's I mean, as much crap we give him, I think, and how we kind of laugh at him that he only has a fastball, he's the best closer we have, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's the fortunate part. And Gene Lewis says, Steve Korniak gives the edge to the Giants. Well, he should, because we're leading by one right now. So that's not a hot take, right? Because we do have the edge right now, I think. Steve Kornacki, right? Is he from Kornacki. ESPN? Do you know who that is? Is that ESPN? Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I was hoping you knew who it was. I'm but... assuming that that's from ESPN here. Um, I think uh, any team with a one-game edge with this many games to play has the advantage, you know, moving forward yeah. here. And we, even if we have the tiebreaker, I think we the tiebreaker means that we get to host the tiebreaker game. Is from my understanding. Yeah, right? well, if we're in the same standings um, as the Dodgers, if our um, score, I, I guess our record ties the the Dodgers, I think yeah. we're we're still ahead of them, right? So that's why I was thinking it's. I guess it's more of a half game up, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, you know, it's one thing to consider, I guess, right? We have we're both in tied for first, for example. We will be the ones that are up from the tiebreaker. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's uh, one thing I guess I would say is with the Giants is we should be running away with this. You know, like if the Dodgers weren't <laughs> as good as they are and are as stacked they are, we should have already clinched, I think, right? Or at least have a matching number. But since there's, they're on our coattails, it's like 
almost impossible to have a matching number you know until the last game of the season i think it might come down to that you know at least the last series so um, yeah it's really tough because even though the giants are at a 104 um win pace for the season mm-hmm. you know it's still going to come down to the last weekend of this season here Jeannie says, LOL, I'm rolling my eyes, guys. The guy from, from the, the elections on NBC? Where? What the hell's the election? Sure, I guess he's an analyst of some sort. I'm guessing I'm guessing you don't watch the election. I don't know what the elections is. Is that like a show? or? <laughs> so going back to the Giants here and how the Dodgers are – kind of on their coattails. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, I, you know, I look at it from a positive standpoint. I think, like, this competition with the Dodgers will actually make the Giants play better, right, um, yeah. throughout October and throughout this postseason, as opposed to clinching early and being very complacent with, yeah, you know, like winning the division. Yeah, it's a start-stop versus right? keeping up the heat, right? Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's kind of similar to what the Yankees and Red Sox have always done in their rivalry um, back in the 2000s, right, where mm-hmm. they would always be pushing each other. They would always face each other in the in the playoffs here. But they, I think they always made themselves better, and they were always title contenders at the end of the day. Right. So I think of it as a positive. Um, it's, it's hard to look at it that way right now, but – I think if we come through with this, with the division title, uh, we'll look back and say, okay, you know, the Dodgers trying to chase us throughout September has been a good thing. Yeah, I think so. I I, I agree with you on that. And it makes it more fun to watch, right? (laughs) If they've already clinched it, I think at that point, a lot of people will be tuning out until the playoffs. So, you know, as a fan, it's just more entertaining, I think. Yeah, and then quickly on the other side of the bay here, it looks like the Oakland A's are – three games out of the wild card race here. And when we say three games, that's quite a lot to make up in a span of 12 games or so here. So they, I don't know what the percentage is. It must not be, it must not be um, close to 50 or 40% (laughs) to make the postseason. But, um, but they're trying to, they're trying to put together a winning streak on their own, right? They're, they're surging Mm -hmm. a little bit here. So we'll see what the A's do on the other side of the bay. They only have two teams left. I mean, they have a series with the Mariners wrapping up today. Or, yeah. sorry, they have two more games left today with the Mariners. Then they have a series with the Astros, series with the Mariners again, and then finish the season with the Astros, you know? So really two teams left that they're really playing against. And, yeah, I agree with you. They can actually gain a lot of ground if they can win those series. You know, the unfortunate part is there's a lot of good teams ahead of them too, you know? So... So yeah, the chances are low, but I think they they I think they're still in it, you know. So yeah. I think well, that's why we, let's keep tracking it and see. And the I'm pulling for them. So. The thing is, I'm not <laughs> sure they have what like 12 games left or so. I'm not yeah. sure if finishing nine and four is going to get him in the postseason, right? True. So they're going to have to go maybe I don't know, eleven. I don't know, 10. The win out, basically. They basically have to win out. It's not just about winning the series. They have to, like, they have to think about sweeping series. Sweeping series. I think you're right, actually. They have to sweep the series because the Yankees at the uh, Blue Jays and Boston are ahead of them. And the wild card, right? And the the rough part is that they don't face those teams. The A's don't face those teams. So you can't, it's tough to really make up ground. You can't control your destiny, right? Exactly. the Yankees are playing the Texans who are long out of it. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I think they're right. They have to sweep out and by some luck, hope, hoping the Yankees will drop a few games. You know. So Yeah. All right, some quick NBA news here. The Warriors, they announced that Clay Thompson and James Wiseman are making solid progress in their rehab assignments here, um, but also indicated earlier this week that Neither of them will be playing any games anytime soon um, here. You know, it looks like Clay Thompson is not going to play until at least Christmas. I think we all already know that here. But I feel that James Wiseman not being able to kind of play in training camp um, here and missing the beginning of, of the season, that's going to kind of hurt his development growth, right? So what is your take on this? Do you think uh, this is going to be detrimental to this season and for the long-term future of the Warriors? I think this is disappointing overall. Like, James Wiseman, I think that's the best word to describe him so far, right? It's disappointment. 
I think that injury is also holding back his development, right? I think of the summer league he's missing and, you know, all the games near the end of the season last season that he could have been playing, you know? And then, like you said, yeah, I mean, missing the season opener and missing a couple months is no joke, especially when you're a guy who hasn't had many games under his belt. Like even in college, he only had two games, right? So, so yeah, it's valuable games that he's missing. And, I think Clay will be fine, right? Like you said, even though it's Christmas, he's had the experience. I think he's. We should rush him back. I think they, the Warriors are doing the right thing by keeping him out, you know. But I'm just disappointed, Wiseman. And I think a lot of ways I'm starting to lose faith in him. <laughs> you know, maybe it's uh, doing what he's done for me lately, but it's yeah, it's not looking good. So. Yeah, it's, it's tough because when you look at Wiseman's early career, both in college and in the pro level, in college he plays two games, right? And then he's suspended for the rest of that college season, right? So there's that season. And then he comes to the Warriors. He plays, what, maybe uh, 10 games or so. He suffers yeah. a wrist injury um, during one of those road trips. He's out for like five or six games, so he's missing time. He comes back. It looks like he's going to be able to kind of develop even more. And then he ends up suffering a season ending uh, knee injury. Right. So his whole playing career has been plagued by suspensions, injuries, you know, COVID playing video games, forgetting about taking the shot or whatnot, you know? So that's, I think, I think what Wiseman has to do is prove to the fan base. He has to prove to the fan base that he can stay on the floor and be productive. Yeah, I, I was having like a physical reaction as you were naming those things out. Like, it was just like a big cringe, you know? Like, you know, I guess a lot is going to be dependent on Kevon Looney and running the, the small ball offense, I guess. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah, I think big guys are going to start ripping through us as usual. You know, that's the unfortunate part. And I was a little bit curious if the Warriors will pick up more centers. You know, at least get some size in there, but they didn't in this offseason so far. It doesn't seem like the philosophy is to get a center in there, but yeah, man, James, <laughs> man, I'm just, oh, okay. I, yeah, I, don't, just, I don't know what It just else seems to like a right lot now. of these, I know it's, I know a lot of it's not his fault, but it just seems like, I don't want to say problems, but these kind of issues kind of follow James Wiseman around. Right. Cursed. I would say cursed is the right <laughs> word. Yeah. Cursed. And I think, you know, I hope the Warriors, you know, think deeper when they draft in the future as well. Like, I think they kind of underestimate that if the guy has the physical talents and all that stuff, they can probably develop him. But there's kind of a reason why experience is important, you know. I think college experience, and I think that's why they have that rule where you have to be in college before going to the NBA, right? Like, you can't just go directly from high school anymore. You're yeah. probably seeing the lack of development in some of the players, and a lot of teams probably see that that we don't know about, you know? So right. I, I do look forward to seeing if Moses Moody or Kaminga can play, right? I think that will be cool to kind of see them get development time. Um, those guys definitely have some experience, and I think Kaminga is probably more ready, right? Probably more NBA ready, but probably wouldn't be in the starting roster, I would think. You know, but at least rotate him in a few games. That'll be kind of cool. And then seeing if Toscano Anderson still has it. You know, I think he showed us a really good season last season. Is it a fluke or can he repeat? Right. And seeing, uh, I guess the last person I really want to see is Jordan Poole and see him develop into that leader too. So, so yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to in addition to the James Wiseman downside and the Clay Thompson injury. But, yeah. you know, what's crazy is I think three more weeks is when the NBA starts, you know, on the 19th. So we'll find out soon enough how what kind of rosters go out there. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time here. Um, I would say that Moses Moody is a little bit more NBA ready than Kaminga oh, yeah. at this point. Um, maybe Kaminga physically um, looks like he's capable, but I think like he still has a lot of work to do. And I believe he's going to be placed in the G League to kind of work on those uh, mental and physical. But think he looked good in the summer league? I thought you said he was pretty good in the summer league. He yeah, he had some. Uh, he had some few highlights there. Um, but when you look at his numbers, his field goal percentage was lacking and his free mm-hmm. throw percentage was also lacking too. And when you have both of those um, kind of un, you know below average, it's really tough to stay on an NBA floor that way. 
Well, at least Andre Iguodala is there too. Maybe oh, yeah. he can help mentor him a little bit, right? So that yeah. I think that's exciting. If he can shape him up to be like Iguodala was, I think we'll be good to go in that position. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the season um, here. It's going to be an exciting time once the Warriors start. And then we have like the postseason uh, with baseball, you know, coming along and also football too. So usually October, November is a pretty, pretty exciting time for Bay Area sports. Agreed, agreed. All right, shall All we right. move on to picks? Yeah, let's do picks? it. All right. So first game, going to be the Niners game, right? So Niners minus three and a half, um, playing at home against the Packers. And the over-under is 45 and a half. So who do you have? I am going to pick the 49ers in this one um, here. I just think the 49ers have way too much firepower. Um, here and that they're going to outscore the Packers in this matchup. I think it's going to be a fairly close game in the first half um, here. It's probably going to be around 17 to 14 um, in that area. Um, with In regards to the over-under, this this game's at home, right? I believe. Yep. Yeah, it's at home. I think the weather's going to be pretty good out here in Santa Clara. <laughs> so I'm going to pick the over here, although I have been wrong in the past in regards to these money lines. Well, the first game, I guess the first game was over and the last game was under, right? Under, so it right. kind of yeah. shows you it's kind of hard to pick. The, it's really hard I, to pick over-unders, right? So I believe my advice the, to anybody, don't bet on over-unders. Yeah, <laughs> I believe on the first game against the Lions, I picked the over and they went way over, right? And then yeah, the second game, good. I think I picked over too and they went under. So. Yeah. Um, I think with this one, I think it's going to be over just because I believe in the 49ers offense. And I also think Aaron Rodgers is going to score several touchdowns um, here. So I'm going to go in the over here. What are your thoughts about this matchup? Yeah, so I agree with your picks, but my analysis is a little bit different than yours. Um, so I'm taking Niners minus three and a half. I think it's the over. I think Niners actually might start out a little bit shaky at first, yeah. um, mainly because it's a first home opener. People mm -hmm. are going to be amped, right? And they've always had this slow start in the beginning. That's happened in the last two games. Uh, I mean, for Jimmy G fumbling a snap as his first play, right, <laughs> for the Lions, and think about the overthrows he had against the Eagles, I think that trend continues, right? I think Jimmy G just gets really hyped in the locker room. He goes out there, he gets more hyped. Then, then later on, he starts to focus, right? And then, yeah. then he starts to play a lot better. I think Aaron Rodgers is also a guy who who gets better as the game goes on as well. So I think that first half is going to be a kind of a dud game. Uh, it's probably going to be under, I think, the first half. But then I think the second half, when people start focusing, people start you know, playing a lot better on both sides. I think the Niners will pull it through. They'll be close, like the three and a half. It's basically implying that it's money line, but the Niners, since they're at home, they get that extra three-point boost there. You know, so I think the Niners at home does have that advantage. So I think they'll they'll pull it out. But I think it's going to be over mainly because it's going to be pretty pretty much high scoring. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, both sides, are they're, they're going to find ways to score. So, yeah, so I'll go with the over here. Okay, very good. All right, so Giants um, at the Padres at San Diego. Um, Scott Kazmir, 0-1 with a 6.43 ERA, seven strikeouts. Basically says it's a bullpen game, right, <laughs> for the Giants. Going against Vince Velasquez, who's 3-7 with a 6.09 ERA, 89 strikeouts. So the lines are kind of interesting for this. It's actually a minus 110 for both sides. Right, um, implying it's money line, so the Vegas doesn't know who's going to win here. But the over under is even more interesting. It's nine and a half, which is a mm -hmm. high over, right? A high over under. So, what do you have here? You know, Scott Casimir is regarded as an Olympic hero for the United States. <laughs> Did and you just say that? <laughs> silver, silver medalist here. So, I think he's been preparing this for this moment for the, for his whole. Um, for at least this season, right? Yeah. So I think Scott Casper is going to be ready to play. I yeah. think he's been ready for at least a few weeks. He's he's well rested um, here. So even though it's regarded as a bullpen game, I think Scott Casper is going to give him a good four or five innings mm. out of that out of that pitching slot. That would be amazing, right? Because I think that that would be close to a starter's. You know, yeah, game, so, and if yeah. he gives us four good innings, I'm I'll be pretty happy with that as well. So I'm going to say he's going to go about four innings 
um, here is going to give up maybe um, a couple runs. But I also think the Giants will be able to score on Vince Velasquez. He's been struggling mm-hmm. there with a 6.09 ERA. Um, the over pretty low under, strikeout, right? So yeah, the over under the over under looks pretty high. But I think I'm going to pick the over on this one. <laughs> you learned um, your here. lesson. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you the over here. You know, even though it looks a little high, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to probably be six to four Giants. Um, yeah. I think the Giants will be able to score um, throughout the sixth to eighth inning against the Padres to pull ahead. So I'm going to pick the Giants six four. Scott Cos- Scott Casmer will pitch four innings, but won't be qualified for a decision. What's your take <laughs> on this? I love your analysis. You know, I think it's going to be the Giants as well. Um, this is a must-win game for the Giants. I think it's less so of a must-win for the Padres. And we typically do pretty well, actually, in San Diego. It's almost like the yeah. Giants of the South, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of Giant fans that are cheering them out there. So I think the Giants will keep the momentum going. Such a good win yesterday. And then they're feeling pretty pretty hot, right? Um, and I agree with you. The 9.5 is pretty high, but usually with high over-unders, you take the over, you know? <laughs> so yeah. let's go over there. Okay. All right. Last game is going to be the Seattle Mariners versus the Oakland A's in Oakland. Um, pitching for the Mariners is Chris Flexen. He's 12 yeah. and 6, 3.66 ERA, 11 strikeouts, or 111, 110 strikeouts, sorry. <laughs> 110 strikeouts. And he's going up against Cole Irving, who is 10 and 13, 3.94 ERA. 112 strikeouts so the mariners are underdogs at 1.25 right or 125 plus 125 and then the a's are favorites at minus 145 and the over under is the baseline eight right so there's no real lean on the base on the over under it seems yeah so what do you have yeah it looks like the mariners um and the a's in terms of pitching here it looks like they're pretty even in that area um, but the A's do have the advantage in terms of their offense, right? And I think that's where they kind of beat the Mariners in that area. But the Mariners have played the A's fairly tough this season, it seems like, mm-hmm. in which you we would think that the A's would just kind of crush the Mariners, especially at home, but they don't. So I'm going to go with the Mariners in this matchup. Chris Flexen has been pitching really well this season. His ERA is 3.6 has a 12 and six record. He's on his way to, you know, 14 victories for the year. So I'm going to go with the Mariners here. I think it's going to be like a four to three matchup Mariners prevailing. So I'm picking the under what's your take. So what's interesting is um, Seattle is actually three games out as well. Right. And I think um, the A's have the tiebreaker here. That's why they're, they're considered above Seattle, which doesn't matter anyways, because they're they're still you know three games out of the wild card. But you know that shows that the Seattle is going to play it all. They're going to be hard. They're going to be tough. Um, but I think the A's do pretty well at home, so I'm actually going to go with the A's here. I think uh, pitching, like you mentioned, is pretty similar. But I think the A's' offense is a lot better than Bears. Like. Not a lot, but they have guys who I think can they get get after it, right? So we'll go with the Mariners here. The over under is a bit tough, right? Like I think eight is about right actually, because <laughs> it's going to be pretty split. Yeah. Um, but I think both pitchers are pretty solid. This is a really a, such a playoff game for both of them, right? To keep their season alive. So I think it'll be under, right? I think when it's just tough like this, people tend to score less. So. So, yeah, go with the under there on eight. Okay. Well, it looks like that wraps up this week's episode. Any final thoughts? Yeah, week? no, I just want to give a shout-out to Andrew Peterson and Jeannie Liu, as always, our two biggest fans for leaving comments. Right. Those, so thank you very much there. And, yeah, I think uh, I think this playoff race for the Giants is something to be watched. <laughs> you know? I think, like you mentioned, it's kind of hard to stay up for every game, but I do DVR it and I watch it back and I also watch highlights and – and all that stuff and keep up with it, you know? So it's uh, definitely a race. I'm, I think I find myself constantly checking both the Dodgers score and, it, and the Giants score so much that my phone auto-populates with those two teams the moment I start doing a search, you know? So yeah, yeah. so I think it's uh, it's definitely a high stress there. And I think 
yeah, so I, I, that's that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I think the next coming days. So, how about you? Like, what, what are your final thoughts on there? Are you following as intently as me, or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you try to stay a little bit of a distance sometimes because it could get kind of um, intense in terms of the yeah in terms of the division race. Um, but you know, you try to see how the Dodgers are doing, and they're always winning, and that that's pretty tough. Right. It's kind of annoying is what the Giants players would say behind the scenes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I'm just kind of looking forward to how the Giants close out this season. Right. And I think they're going to yeah. close it out just fine. And I'm also curious to see how the 49ers will do um, within the next two games here. You know, the mm. first two games seems like, you know, cakewalks. Right. But then uh, we're going to we're going to kind of see it'll be tough games. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're going to have to see how the next two or three games go. Right. And see how much the 49ers will be able to um, fare against the competition. Yeah, I think injuries are the biggest thing that can stop the Niners. Right. I think if this team doesn't get injured, I think they're one of the best teams in football. You know, so but it's always been an issue. We saw last season how that became a huge issue, right? <laughs> and I think a lot of it is with the strength and conditioning coach as well as the players. You know, I think the players aren't doing well. Some of them aren't doing well in conditioning from what I heard, right? And that's yeah. going to be a detriment to the team. So hopefully they can kind of pick that up and be a little bit more careful at times, you know, not going for those extra yards uh, when it's not necessary. And, Keep our key guys in there. You know, I think Kittle, Bosa, um, Jimmy G, I think our key guys and Debo. Well, let's make sure those guys are healthy, right? So, you know, <laughs> send out our prayers there, our, you know, our good luck charms, knockout wood, all that stuff, you know, because <laughs> we, we need a little bit of luck on our side there. So, but yeah, yep. I think uh, happy football Sunday. All right, guys. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast, at Mike408, at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.